This is the Rundown. The rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Live from the Auction Community Studios for the next hour, Luke Lipinski here taking you up to Suns pregame tonight. Cody Fincher behind the glass as the, the Suns get set to take on the Houston Rockets this evening uh, in Houston. Suns uh, could use a win here. I mean, still off to a decent start at 7-5. and five. They started 7-5 and five last year, too. Uh, you know, two very different seasons, two very different teams. I get that. But I think more pressing is the fact that the Suns have lost four of their last six. And it's just kind of been a while since they've strung some wins together, partially because through no fault of their own, they had a week's worth of games just wiped out. And, uh, you know, that last time they've won two in a row was New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. It's January 20th. You know, like this is a, a team that got off to a good start, uh, took a hit against the Clippers. That's fine. Came back almost, won that game. But, but you know, they were down by quite a bit in that one. After that, responded by beating Toronto, but then... A loss to Detroit, that's a bad loss. Beat Indiana, a loss to Washington, that's a bad loss. And then three games postponed and a loss to Memphis. So there's a little extra pressure, I think, on this game tonight for the Phoenix Suns to go out there and just just get back on track. There's a lot of ways that this one could go well for the Suns. I honestly, I think, I don't know. I mean, would, would you rather have... Would you rather have a scenario tonight where, the, let's say the Suns win. Let's, okay, so that's, let's take that variable out of it for just a second. In a perfect world, do the Suns win courtesy of Devin Booker bouncing back with like a 38-point game? Or do the Suns win and DeAndre Ayton follows up his... You know what? I don't even have to finish asking the question. <laughs> it's, it's the second one. It's DeAndre Ayton playing the way he did against Memphis in a Suns win tonight. Let's see that effort and that performance and that just, I almost hesitate to say effort, because it's not like I don't think Aiton gives effort, but just that level of being dialed in and locked on your opponent and just asserting your will on the game the way Aiton did on Monday afternoon, let's see that again tonight. There's not anybody on Houston that really should be able to slow down DeAndre Aiton if he gets going. So that's the better one. I get my original question was going to be: Would it be better if the Suns went out there and won, and, and Devin Booker has a big bounce back game, or if DeAndre Ayton does what he did on on Monday? But it's uh, it's, it's no brainer because we know Booker will be fine. It would be nice to get Devin Booker going again. Like it would be nice to see him looking like Devin Booker of last year, or the year before, or the year before. I mean, basically his entire career. He hasn't been bad this year. He had a thirty three point game against Washington before the team. Uh, went into that stretch where they had the three games postponed. So maybe he was starting to pick it back up and, and really kind of hit Devin Booker levels again. He's still averaging over 22 points, 3.3 rebounds, 4.3 assists. I mean, he's look, Devin Booker's still having a very good year. But when you start to look at the, the, the season through the lens of those first few games and the expectations we were all getting for this team, expectations that, by the way, can still be met. When you start to look at it through that lens, you need Devin Booker at his best. You need Chris Paul rolling, and you need DeAndre Ayton doing what he did on, on Monday. So we talk a lot on uh, on these airwaves about how we don't want Ayton to be the biggest story around this team, and I certainly said that a lot of times coming into this season. I want the biggest story to be this team winning. They are still fourth in the uh, in the Western Conference right now. I want the story to be Chris Paul 
arriving in Phoenix and taking this team to another level. Or I want the story to be Devin Booker with more of the spotlight on his team finally really just taking off with that and, and making a, an even bigger name for himself in this league. Or I want the story to be Mikel Bridges doing what Mikel Bridges is doing. But until DeAndre Ayton is consistently doing something similar to the, uh, the performance we saw on Monday, he's just he's going to still be the story. It's just the way it is. It, whether whether it's uh, frustration with Aiton or it's you know it's it's praising what he did on Monday. So we're we'll see. We'll see. I, I think the biggest thing tonight, though, really on top of all of that, even though the main story is to see how Aiton follows up that performance on Monday. The big story here is they got to they got to get a win, seven and five on the season, fourth in the Western Conference. But like they play Denver twice coming up this weekend. Denver's seven and seven, and they're in ninth in the Western Conference. Look, I get it; it's early. They are twelve games into a seventy-two game season. But there's going to get to a point this season where the Suns aren't really sneaking up on anybody. You kind of feel like this might get tougher as the season goes. Now, the Suns, in theory, should get better as the season goes, and everybody's comfortable with an offense that Chris Paul's running, and and everybody's, you know, there's just some moving parts this season. But uh, you just want to get these wins early when you can and and try to build yourself a a nice buffer. And that's really been the story of the last couple weeks. Either the Suns having games get postponed, again, through no fault of their own, or the Suns eating through that buffer that they had built up in the first what, week or so of the season. Because 7-5 and five is, is fine, but you're already you're kind of dropping a couple games back of the Lakers and the Clippers and the Jazz. But also, yeah, you're fourth, but you're really you're tied with San Antonio and Portland. You're a half game up on Golden State and Memphis. You're a game up on Denver. And you want to go deeper than that, you're a game and a half up on Dallas, who everybody thinks will get into the, the, the a playoff spot this year. Um, you know, there's other teams that you just... When you have a game against a team like Houston, you got to win that game. So we'll see. Hopefully, the Suns are able to uh, to kind of get back on track tonight because they really, they really just haven't been on track here in a little while. All right, let's get into the rapid reaction. The rundown rapid reaction. Rapid reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. We will start in the NFL. Philip Rivers announcing his retirement. What a career for Philip Rivers! And and I guess the second somebody like that retires, you can start having the do they belong in the Hall of Fame debate. And I know it's tough to compare eras, maybe in the NFL more than any other sport, just because, especially with quarterbacks, and, and I guess by you know by proxy then the receivers as well. Those passing numbers are just so much higher now than they were in the 70s or whatever. But uh, Phillip Rivers has some remarkable numbers. 63,440 passing yards, 421 passing touchdowns. Maybe the most remarkable one to me, though, and I know the, the case against him making the uh, the Hall of Fame is they didn't ever play in the Super Bowl. But the most remarkable stat to me, he gets drafted in 2004, plays a couple games. 2005, plays a couple games. Becomes the starter in 2006. So the Chargers at that point have moved on from Drew Brees. Hey, Phil, you're our starter. That's 2006. He hasn't missed a game since. That's absurd. You want to talk about passing numbers being higher in this era than they were 30, 40 years ago? Okay, yeah. I also feel like it's a lot less likely that a guy plays 
that many seasons without missing a good chunk of time, really. I mean, that, what is that? That's 15 years. 15 seasons since he became a starter. He never missed a game. And there was a stretch in there where he played in the AFC Championship without an ACL. I mean, that's you want to talk about just gutting it out. So all the respect in the world for Phillip Rivers. Uh, you know, it, it is. It's a blemish, I guess, on your record if you've never never gotten to the Super Bowl, certainly. He also played in the same conference as Tom Brady and the Patriots when they were at their very best. And I just, I, I, it's it's been an impressive career for Phillip Rivers. And he just, everything he does is kind of like, it's just his own unique way. Like, he's already got a job lined up as a high school football coach. He's got, I don't know, nine kids. Last time, last time it was a story, I would assume, I would assume they stopped at nine, although I don't know why they would, I don't know why I would assume that. But, uh, yeah, just a, just a crazy good career for Phillip Rivers. And um, you kind of had the sense when the Colts lost to the Bills a couple weeks ago. I was like, yeah, that, that's that's probably it. Honestly, the same sense I had uh, this past Sunday when the Saints lost to the Buccaneers. I'm like, yeah, that's probably it for Drew Brees, too. I mean, we'll have to see on that one. But for Phillip Rivers, an excellent career. Uh, over to hockey. Sticking here in the, uh, the rapid reaction. The Coyotes in Vegas tonight. Another late start. 8 o'clock against the Golden Knights. A very strange stretch in the schedule here for the Coyotes. It's the first time they have ever played the same team in the regular season four straight games. Tonight is only game two. They'll play Vegas again on Friday. They'll play Vegas again on Sunday. Now, Friday and Sunday will be here in the Valley, but uh, Monday and tonight in Vegas against the Golden Knights. Vegas, one of the few teams in the league, and the season's only been going for a little over a week. One of the few teams that is still undefeated, and that's... That's quite the test for the Coyotes. Again, if you haven't really gotten into hockey yet, you've been following football and basketball, hockey's very different this season in the sense that you're in a division with seven other teams, and that's your season. 56 games against those seven teams. It doesn't matter at all to the Coyotes what, say, the Boston Bruins or the New York Rangers or the Montreal Canadiens or the Vancouver Canucks do. None of those teams matter to the Coyotes. You're in your own little eight-team Almost like a bubble, except you're obviously traveling to play these games. But you're in your own little eight-team league. And Vegas is probably the best team in that one for the Coyotes. It's either Vegas or Colorado. I mean, they have two of the best teams in the NHL in their grouping. And they're seeing Vegas a lot here firsthand to begin the season. And uh, ASU, Antonio Pierce named the sole defensive coordinator of the team. And remember last year he was splitting with Marvin Lewis. There's a lot that could go into this, right? I mean, I know everybody wants to connect the dots. Like, is this, well, hey, you thought you might lose Antonio Pierce as, uh, as, as a future potential head coach, or you thought you might lose him as defensive coordinator because U of A was kind of kicking the tires on that. Uh, there's also the thought that Marvin Lewis may be getting an NFL job at some point again. So the um, the the way it's it's set up right now, though, Antonio Pierce will be the sole defensive coordinator. And look, ASU has a plan. That's that has become very clear ever since they made the switch over to Herm Edwards a couple years ago. There is a plan. I I would say pretty confidently they have like a succession plan in place. I think and maybe Herm doesn't know exactly how long he wants to coach, but I bet he has a rough idea. You know, I bet he can put it on a range and say, "Oh, I mean, I want to coach, you know, 3, 4, or 5 more years or whatever." I, I'm not going to I'm going to throw out numbers there and people are going to be like, "Oh, you're reporting this." I'm not reporting this. I'm just saying I feel like Herm probably has a pretty good feel for how much longer he wants to coach. And I feel like the other people in that uh, athletic department, in, in the football section of it, I feel like Antonio Pierce knows kind of what the plan is for him down the line, and, and obviously Ray Anderson. So um, I, I just I think all this stuff that's happening is, is not 
it's not random, right? So Antonio Pierce, just great to have him back. <laughs> he never really went anywhere. But after that speculation you know, about a month or so ago that maybe U of A would be trying to hire him away, uh, not the case, obviously. And he's locked in there. And it's not just his, his, uh, his job as a defensive coordinator, but it's his job as a recruiter, certainly. All right, when we come back, we will get back into the Suns. And an interesting thought floated out there on our morning show today. We'll talk about it next. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's The Rundown, hosted by Luke Lipinski. Luke, I am your father. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Welcome back to the show. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher behind the glass, taking you up to the top of the hour. That's when pregame coverage will begin of Suns Rockets. Phoenix in Houston tonight to take on the Rockets. The very different looking Rockets, obviously now without James Harden. Uh, So that game uh, will tip off at 7.30, but pregame coverage beginning right here at 7 o'clock tonight. So we're taking you up to that point. Got to say, just good to have the Suns playing again. It was kind of a cruel twist of fate there that, you know, as a Suns fan, you've been waiting for 10 years for this team to feel like a true playoff contender. And, you know, maybe waiting for five years. There was there was there was the Jeff Hornacek year in there, even though they didn't make the playoffs where they, they felt like a contender. But I would say pretty safely in the last decade, this was the season that you came into with the most anticipation as a Suns fan. And they were living up to it early, kind of in a rut right now. You had that that three-game stretch there of of games being postponed that certainly didn't help. So just good to have them back out there and and on the floor playing tonight in Houston. Dave Pash on with Doug and Wolf this morning and had a couple interesting things to say. Let's just let's start with the sound bite. This is Dave Pash on with Doug and Wolf. Where is the consistency? And look, they looked at trading him last summer. It, it didn't work out. I think they're still trying to figure out, is, is this guy going to, to get it? And I hope he does. But at, at what point do you say it, it's not going to happen? I don't know. I'm not mm-hmm. saying we're there. I'm asking right. the question. When do we say that? And maybe they think it's after this year. And maybe it, because of COVID, you know, last year was messed up and this year's a little messed up. So let's wait till the middle of next year. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, so that's Dave Pash talking about DeAndre Ayton. I'm sure you could piece together who exactly he was talking about. Now, to to be to give you every side of the story, uh, Gambo this afternoon was reporting, no, that's that's not the case. That didn't happen. So, you know, take, take wh- whatever you want from all this. But it is an interesting conversation starter in the sense of DeAndre Ayton shouldn't be untouchable. Uh, here's one more from Dave Pash. From what I understand, they, they look to move him. This, this past summer. Um, so clearly they feel that the time is now for DeAndre. Yes. And does he know that? Does he know that? Uh, does he recognize that? Does he understand the gravity of the situation? Right. That if he doesn't figure it out, he's going to be playing somewhere else. But look, I, I think James Jones has proven a lot. I, I really do. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I think you, you hired the right guy in Monty. Uh, the arrow is pointing up for this franchise. Yeah, like I said, take whatever ever angle on that you want to take. Gambo's got pretty good sources, and but Dave Pash doesn't make stuff up. So you know, I, I I I don't doubt that somebody told that to him, whether it was actually ever close to happening or not. But that's almost inconsequential to this. Really, I go back to what I just said before that last soundbite. DeAndre Ayton's not untouchable. He should not be untouchable. If I'm running the Phoenix Suns. 
the guys that are untouchable are Devin Booker, you know, unless some team, unless Milwaukee's like, hey, we'll give you Giannis, you know, or Dallas wants to come along with, with Luka, which is not going to happen. I'm not trading Devin Booker, and I don't want to trade Mikel Bridges if I can help it. Because, again, if you, they're not going to trade Mikel Bridges, but, I mean, teams offering something for him are not going to be offering a true superstar like they would, in theory, hypothetically offer for Devin Booker. But that's it. Those are the two guys I am truly building this team around. Now, I'd like to build around 8-2. and two. I would. I'm not, I'm not writing him off. But there is a point here. It's not just like, well, our patience wore out, and so we're done with DeAndre. Like, no, eventually you're going to have to pay him a lot or make a decision on how much you're going to pay him. We're not there yet, but we're not that far away either. And he has been very inconsistent. I know. I've said this a million times on this show. I know when you talk about DeAndre Ayton on these airwaves, you are talking in a lot of ways to two different sides of the Suns fan base. And I can hear you. I can hear the, 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 the Ayton fans that are like, what are you talking about? Look at that amazing game he had on Monday. Absolutely. He did. He has not had any other amazing games this season. He hasn't been bad, which is what makes this conversation so difficult. This is not, I'm sure, what Cleveland Sports Radio was like five, six, seven years ago when they took Anthony Bennett with the first pick. It's not that. DeAndre Ayton's not a bust, but he's not untouchable. And now I guess I'm talking to the other half of the fan base that's like, come on, this guy's making me rip my hair out. I watched that game on Monday, and I'm like, why can't you do this every game? And I think there's that's a fair question, honestly, to ask about DeAndre Ayton. I don't expect anybody to go out there and be dominant 82 games a year or 72 games this season. But let's not pretend that because he had some amazing game on Monday, and hopefully has another one tonight, that he's got this all figured out. He missed 25 games last season when his team needed him because of a very avoidable suspension. He's been up and down. I would throw out the, the rookie year, because he's a rookie his first year, obviously. Like, come on, he's, he's working his way into the league. He wasn't bad. But last year he was supposed to take a step, and instead he, he missed 25 games. This year he was supposed to take a step, and I will say this. I still think he's going to this year. I think as frustrating as it is to look and say, okay, well, yeah, okay, rookie year, okay, well, that's his first year, so he gets a pass. And then second year, okay, well, you know, it's only his second year. How good's the team? He gets a pass. And then this year, okay, well, they brought in Chris Paul, so he gets a pass. I agree. You can't keep giving him a pass all the time. But I think at the start of this season, we're seeing everybody kind of, everybody on the Suns tried to figure out exactly how they fit together. So I'll give Aiton a pass here for these first few games. There were a couple there where he just didn't do much of anything. Encouraged by what I saw on Monday, I think we all are. Got to see it more consistently. Absolutely not untouchable. I'm not shopping DeAndre Aiton, but you got to remember this too. James Jones didn't draft DeAndre Aiton. Now, James Jones was on with Burns and Gambo. We're going to play you a good chunk of that interview next segment. And they asked him about it. So you can think for yourself. You can go ahead and make your own uh, assessment of how he responded. I didn't hear him at any point say flat out, no, we weren't going to trade him. I don't hear him say that, but I'll play the whole interview for you, or at least that whole portion of the interview uh, next segment. But just remember, DeAndre Ayton is not, James Jones didn't draft him. This is not like, it's not the best example, but this is not like Steve Kime drafting Kyler Murray. Kyler's been better than Ayton has. But let's, let's say it got to the point where they're like, oh, we have to trade Kyler. And Kyle's like, well, I can't. That's my guy. If I trade him, you know, that, that reflects badly on me. James Jones didn't draft DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton's not bad. I mean, let's just deal in facts here. Ayton's not bad. 
He hasn't played like the number one overall pick. If another team is going to make you a trade offer as if he was the number one overall pick, if another team still looks at DeAndre Ayton the way the Phoenix Suns did when they drafted him, if they're not going to give you 70 cents on the dollar, 80 cents on the dollar, they're going to pay full price for you taking him with the number one overall pick. Yeah, you better be listening to that. That would be very negligent as a GM if you weren't. And James Jones isn't that guy. James Jones absolutely would listen if somebody came along. He should, most GMs would. Doesn't mean he's shopping him. Doesn't mean Aiton's bad. But do not tell me that DeAndre Aiton's untouchable. What, what has he done to be untouchable? Right over to football now. And something we kind of touched on last night. The idea that the 49ers or the Rams, or maybe both, could be significantly upgrading their team this offseason by improving at the quarterback position. And what I mean, we only care about those teams because they're in the Cardinals division, obviously. But you look at the Rams team that just made it to the second round of the playoffs and doesn't seem all that enamored with the idea of having Jared Goff be the, the guy going forward. Maybe, you know, maybe another year or whatever. But they don't seem totally tied to him. Sean McVay certainly isn't talking like it. Honestly, Sean McVay isn't acting like it. I mean, they were ready to go with John Wolford in the opening round until he got hurt. So you have a Rams team that made the second round of the playoffs that gets better if they either keep Goff and he gets better. There was obviously plenty of room for him to be better this year. Or they go out there and they add a new quarterback. San Francisco, same spot. San Francisco's a team... Look, they finished fourth in the division this year. But when you're looking at the Cardinals and you're saying, okay, one of the Cardinals they moved up to third, they won eight games. Okay, so now next year, move up to second, win 10. It's, well, yeah, hopefully. But what happens if San Francisco gets better? San Francisco is going to get better. They're not going to play all of next season with significant injuries to George Kittle and two or three running backs and Nick Bosa and Debo Samuel for a while. It's like... San Francisco had so many guys miss so many games this season, and yet they were 6-10. and 10. I mean, they were not nearly as bad as they probably could have been. So you have to, if you're the Cardinals, be aware, obviously, that San Francisco is going to be better next season. But how much better? Are they just going to, they're going to improve, but the Cardinals improve. Maybe Seattle takes a step back or whatever. Maybe the Rams stay around where they were, and everybody's kind of more bunched up, and everybody's like 9-7 and seven next year, right in that range. Or is San Francisco going to get crazy and go out there and get a guy like Deshaun Watson? Patrick Peterson on his All Things Covered podcast talked about that. That man is gone. Yeah, man, he out of there. I don't know who he's going to play for, but hey, I won't be surprised, though, if we see him in the 49ers uniform. Yeah, I don't need that. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Patrick. You You don't need that either, by the way. The Cardinals do not need Deshaun Watson on the 49ers. Uh, for that matter, the Seahawks and the Rams do not need Deshaun Watson on the 49ers. I would say most of the NFC does not need Deshaun Watson on the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo is fine. If they come back and they're healthy next year and Garoppolo is able to play the whole season, that's probably a playoff team, San Francisco. Uh, you know, Because of Kyle Shanahan, because of that defense, because of their running game, Brandon Ayuk looked really good for the 49ers when he was able to play this year. Like that is a that is a very very solid team. We saw the shell of it for most of this year. If they add Deshaun Watson though, that's probably the favorite in the NFC, isn't it? 
I'm hoping they don't. I mean, if I'm Houston, if I'm Houston, I'm finding a way to keep that guy happy. That's a franchise quarterback you got to draft. Most teams never get that chance. But if you're going to trade him, Houston, let me just let me just make a plea to you to at least not trade him to the LA Rams, which is fairly impossible with the Rams with their cap situation, but it's not impossible for the 49ers. So, Houston, if you're going to trade him, how about you look to Chicago or the Jets or honestly just anybody in the AFC? I don't care. Well, not the Patriots either. Let me uh, You know what, Houston, I'll give you a list of teams you are allowed to trade Deshaun Watson to. But the 49ers are not on that list, so don't even think about it. All right, we come back. We are going to hear from James Jones. He was on with Burns and Gambo this afternoon. Didn't just talk about the uh, the, the DeAndre Ayton rumors. Talked about some other stuff with the team as well. But um, that's certainly, like I said, when, you, when you're listening, keep an ear out for that part. That's next. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Back to the show, Luke Lipinski here with you. Uh, in case you missed it earlier this afternoon, Grizzlies-Blazers, that game tonight postponed as, uh, as the NBA deals with more contact tracing. So, you know, just a downer that another NBA game is is uh, getting pulled off the schedule for a while. But um, locally, the tie-in, of course, is that the Suns just played the Grizzlies on Monday afternoon. Now the Suns game tonight, obviously, is a go. But... Uh, James Jones was asked about that. He was on with Burns and Gamble this afternoon. He was also asked about the DeAndre Ayton stuff. You know, take that for for whatever you feel like it's worth. Again, Dave Pash was on the morning show with Doug and Wolf today, and he wasn't like breaking news or reporting anything. He just said he thought the Suns this past offseason would have been open to moving him. And uh, and and our own John Gambadoro was able to talk to sources to say that uh, that that wasn't going to happen. That wasn't something they were looking to do. But go ahead and listen because I mean, here's the GM right right now himself this afternoon talking to Burns and Gambo. So of course they asked him about that among other things with this team right now. Like how do they get Devin Booker back on track to be not just good but to be Devin Booker again? First of all, a question about tonight's game. Specifically, uh, we've already seen a game in the NBA get postponed. It's involving the Memphis Grizzlies, the team that you played the last time you were on the floor. Have you heard anything about the status of tonight's game, which is scheduled to be at 7.30? No, we'll be playing tonight. You know, our game is, is going to proceed as scheduled. And so uh, our guys are you know, in Houston getting locked and loaded and ready for tonight. James, when you when you look at what transpired, how difficult was that week? Having the three postponed games, not being able to practice, you know, and then coming out and and really struggling in that that last game, and Book especially had a hard time, not being in any rhythm, struggling with his shot. How difficult was that week? It was it was tough. I mean, it's but you know, at the end of the day, it's just basketball. Um, you ideally would love to have multiple practices and and be able to build a rhythm. Um, get a couple home games in. You know, we were really looking forward to coming back home and, and trying to get ourselves right in our space, in our building. Um, but, you know, that didn't come to fruition. And, and so we had to, to head off to Memphis. And we played a very, you know, even game with those guys. And they're a good team. They play hard. They're competitive. And uh, we had chances to win it at the end. Uh, we just made too many mistakes during the game, too many turnovers. And, and we didn't capitalize on the opportunities. And they did. And, and they came out with a four-point victory. 
one of those games that a lot of people were looking for from DeAndre. A lot more aggressive right around the basket, not settling for the fadeaway jumpers or kicking it out to the three-point line. Uh, there was one beautiful play where he caught it down low for pass from Chris Paul, then he went around Tillman, did a reverse dunk. I know a lot of people like the dunks, but to me it's just efficiency. He's just got to be more efficient. Seemed like that was uh, that was his most efficient game of the season. How did you look at it? Um, uh, as a building block, as a step forward, um, I, I thought he played well. Um, he was big on on the boards for us. I think 16 rebounds, um, and and he kept a lot of possessions alive. Gave our guys extra opportunities to convert. Uh, we did in some instances, but we weren't able to down the stretch. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what we look for for him. I think he can do that consistently. He has to do it consistently, and we're going to continue to push him because if he can play that way uh, and carry that mentality into every game. I don't think you'll see very many games where Devin struggles the way he did or where we uh, fail to capitalize. And, and, and so he was a bright spot for us that game, and I'm just hopeful he can carry it into tonight's matchup against Houston. How has he handled the pushing? Because a lot have, has been made about the pushing the last couple of days. How is he handling guys constantly talking to him about what he needs to do to improve his game? Uh, he's open to it. You know, that's the one thing about DeAndre. He's he's not very sensitive to uh, conversations. You know, if, if guys are bringing it to him because they want to see something uh, special, um, he's all for it. Uh, I know he, he gets a lot of flack. People are always looking and always wanting more, and he come, becomes the center of conversation every time. But he understands it comes with the territory, and, and he actually wants to meet those expectations. So he, he's been good, and I think he's seen progress. A, a lot of times when he struggles and, and the chatter increases, he finds a way to silence those people and, and more importantly, to build confidence in himself. So he'll, he'll be continue, we'll continue to push him, and he'll continue uh, to respond. James, there was a discussion on our, our morning show today about uh, DeAndre Ayton being shopped in the summertime for a trade. Was DeAndre, did you have discussions with any other teams about trading DeAndre Ayton? I knew you'd ask me that question. You know, I'm I'm in a business where people always want to throw something out there, and I've told our guys before. Um, in this business, you you're going to hear this a lot, and and typically you hear from people um, that will tell you that it's happening um, from sources, and you know you can't control that. You know, for for us, DeAndre, we drafted him. Uh, we have every intention of of him continuing to grow and be the player that we we expect. So we're happy with DeAndre. Um, there's really not much to say besides you'd have to ask the guy who said that. But on our, from our side, like it's just it's just basketball. Continue to play and continue to work to get better. So from your perspective, so so from your perspective, perspective, then no, no, the team, the organization was not shopping him in the summer. I'm not commenting on it. it I'm not even going to acknowledge it um, because either way you slice it, it's not. No answer is perfect, so I'm, I'm, I'm just going to move on from that one. Gotcha. All right, let's let's talk about getting some reinforcements back. Jalen Smith has been out a long time. Uh, could definitely be a big body for you if you're able to get him back. He's been cleared. How 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 far along will he be? How soon do you think you can get him back into basketball shape where he might be able to get get some minutes? He's coming. He's he's coming along. You know, I I think you know what we have to remember with Jalen is he had the ankle sprain before. Uh, he was out with, due to health and safety protocols. And so that was a, a good 10 days where he wasn't on the floor. Um, and then you take COVID. So it's been about a month since he's had a chance to play. So he's available. He'll be available. Uh, but that timeline, how fast can he get back? 
we're hopeful it's sooner rather than later. Uh, but he'll be available soon, and you know that's that's the best thing is to get him back in practice, get him around us, and if he can give us anything, that'd be a boost. What was your takeaway, James Jones, general manager of the Suns, our guest here on the Burns and Cambo Show? What was your takeaway from the change to the starting lineup with Cam and Jay coming off the bench now, and how permanent of a move do you think that's going to be when it's all said and done? I, I, I can't tell you. I, I think it was you know coach's attempt. And our attempt to find a boost for that lineup, you know, we we still are try- we're still trying to find the combinations that work well to start games, you know, to to play in the middle and to finish games. Uh, so the experimentation, uh, I think you'll see it from time to time. I wouldn't be surprised if, depending on matchups, you see Dario starting. Um, we're just going to be fluid because we go into every game trying to figure out, or at least consistently trying to figure out what's the what's the best lineup, what gives us the best chance to start games the way we want, which lineups give us the best chance to close games the way we want. And and with the versatility we have that forward position between Jay and between Jay, um, Cam and Dario, um, different parts of the season may see different rotations. So for now, um, especially since the last game, you know, we went Cam went with Cam to see what he, he could bring and I think we'll see that again tonight and for how long, I don't know. Um, but, you know, the team or the group playing well will determine how long our starting lineups or our rotations stay consistent. There have been so many things to talk about when it comes to your basketball team, just in general in terms of how they've played the last, you know, four or five times they've been on. What is, from where you sit, what's been your impression of what hasn't worked for your basketball team in games against Detroit or Washington or Memphis the other day? What what has been the problem from your perspective? Well, I mean, on, on, you have challenges on both sides of the ball. Defensively, I didn't think that we had a consistent effort or we were able to execute against those teams, Detroit, um, against Washington. Um, you know, those are road games. You know, we, we know that road games are tougher than home games, and, and you just hope that you get your best efforts consistently on the road, but a lot of times that's just not um, what happens. And uh, offensively, you know, I thought we we didn't adjust well to the zone in Detroit. So we did a better job against Washington, but, you know, we were down so much. And, uh, you know, we made shots against Memphis, but we weren't able to make the shots when we needed them. So it, there, there are a bunch of areas, but I think on both sides of the ball, I think that we, we have to get back to what we did early in the year, being efficient and uh, defending um, when it counts. If Book has a normal game, an average Devin Booker game, you probably win that When He obviously struggled a lot with his shot throughout that game. Uh, how long do you think the adjustment period is? Is a lot of it trying to get used to playing with new players, trying to get used to playing with Chris? Um, yeah, it is. It's it's a it's a process, man. You know, as much as you don't you, you want it to happen quickly, you understand it's a process. You know, these guys have to figure out how to play well together. It's just not playing together because they can all play together, and you can have uneven even performances. But in order for us to be a good team, they have to learn how to play well consistently together. And that comes with time, and that comes with struggles. You know, you you adjust a lot of times to what you see. Um, you adjust to um, the things. You adjust the things that that uh, in the areas where you struggle, you, you make adjustments. And you know, if that's the minutes, the staggering, um, the complementary players, the offensive sets, you have to evaluate it all and find a sweet spot. And I think we're looking for that. We're searching for that. We haven't found it yet, but we'll get there soon enough. 
Yeah, that's Suns GM James Jones on with Burns and Gambo this afternoon as the Suns inch closer to opening tip-off tonight against the Houston Rockets. We'll come back and wrap up the show with a little football talk next. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's The Rundown. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Final segment of the show. We've got Suns Rockets coming up at the top of the hour. That's pregame coverage and then tip-off at 7.30. Switching over to the NFL here to to wrap things up. Um, We've got Chiefs-Bills coming up on Sunday. And that's a matchup a lot of us wanted from about, what, week six, seven on? Not a lot of teams you look at and you say, okay, that team could beat the Chiefs. Buffalo's really been that team this year. I think, in all, uh, with all due respect to Green Bay, I think they are a team that, that looks like they could do it right now, too. I, honestly, if Green Bay played the Chiefs right now in the Super Bowl, I might actually take Green Bay. Um, but Buffalo is a team, we've, we've all been waiting for this matchup for most of the season, really since they played each other earlier in the year, and, and that one obviously did not go so well for Buffalo. But the Bills are a different-looking team. And so... We're waiting for this matchup. You're, you, you know, you're like, is something going to get in the way and ruin this? Or the, are the Colts going to take the Bills out in the first round? They almost did if they had uh, maybe picked up points earlier in the game instead of going for seven and and, and you know not getting the uh, the any points early in that one. I mean, the Colts had a chance. Uh, Baltimore kind of did, but Baltimore didn't score any points, so <laughs> didn't have that good of a chance. But you just kind of wonder all season, like, are we actually going to get Chiefs Bills? Now we finally get it. And Patrick Mahomes is hurt, or at least he got hurt against Cleveland, although there's growing optimism this week that he'll be able to play. This is Andy Reid today after practice. Uh, he's in the protocol, so they, there's only certain things he can do, and it's a limited basis, but today is a little bit limited practice. So he this fit right into what he could do. And, but he took all the snaps, and he feels good. So, I mean, we just, we're just going to follow this protocol. Uh, as close as we possibly can. So. Yeah, look, I mean, if, if Patrick Mahomes isn't able to play against the Bills, the Chiefs aren't going to beat the Bills. Uh, I'm not at that point where I'm sick of the Chiefs winning. They've won one Super Bowl. You know, this is not this is not the Patriots going for their fifth ring and, and the rest of the league is just kind of falling apart around them in the AFC some of those years. And uh, that division, the AFC East, was was so just bland and those other teams were so bad that it was just there was so little drama every year and we all unless you're a Patriots fan got sick of the Patriots winning I'm not there with the Chiefs I mean if they go out there and win it again this year and you know they're in the AFC championship next year and then they win it again the year after something like if they're there every year for a long stretch of time I'll probably have Chiefs fatigue at some point I don't have it now they're a fun team to watch but if the Bills beat them I mean Good for them. Buffalo's a very good football team. What I don't want to see is the Bills beat Chad, Chad Henney. That does nothing for me. Big deal, you beat Chad Henney. And I know, if you're a Bills fan, you're like, hey, I, you know what, I don't care. I just want to get to the Super Bowl, and I want to win the Super Bowl. We've been through a lot. I don't care if the Chiefs have to play without a quarterback. If they have to sign Kendall Hinton off the Denver Broncos practice squad to play quarterback, I don't care. Well, I'm not a Bills fan. I'm not anti-Bills. I just want to see a good game. I either want to see the Chiefs go back to the Super Bowl or I want to see the Bills beat Patrick Mahomes to get to the Super Bowl. That's the better story. If it's Chad Henney and the Chiefs are operating at, I don't even know what that would be, 60%, 50%, 
How much of the Chiefs' success do you attribute to Patrick Mahomes? Probably more than 50%, to be honest. So if the Bills beat him, if they beat Chad Henney, okay, like, good for you. I'm just, I want to see the real matchup. This is the matchup we've been waiting for. Over in the NFC, that's a pretty great one, too. Aaron Rodgers gets a chance to go to the Super Bowl for the second time, try to get that second ring, having maybe the best season of his career, and he has to go through Tom Brady to do it. I talked about this last night. All due respect to Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback in NFL history. But I've always thought Aaron Rodgers was better. You know what I mean? Like, just watching. You just watch the quarterbacks. Like, Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback I have seen. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time because he's won all those Super Bowls. You can't take that away from him. But just watching any given game, Aaron Rodgers, it's just my opinion, is the best quarterback I have ever seen. I honestly think he was held back quite a bit by Mike McCarthy for a long time and not having a lot of weapons around him. But whatever. Those two going at it in the NFC, and again, I'll throw out the caveat, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be the best quarterback I've ever seen once he's played a little bit longer in this league. But these are some great matchups this weekend, but they get a lot less great if Patrick Mahomes isn't able to play. Okay, sticking with football, a story up on Cardswire last night going through, and uh, I would imagine they're going to grade every position throughout the season, but they started with quarterback last night. And grading Kyler Murray gave him an A. I know we had a poll question up. I think it was on Burns and Gambo's show. They had a poll question up grading, uh, you know, how would you rate Kyler Murray's season? It's kind of a tough one. When you start to look at it, Kyler Murray did a lot this year. He took significant steps forward. And remember, the baseline he was working from was Offensive Rookie of the Year last year. I don't look at the Cardinals and say, you know... They didn't make the playoffs because of Kyler Murray. Or, you know, Kyler Murray is the reason they couldn't get over the hump. Or Kyler Murray is the reason they lost the last two weeks. Although, against San Francisco, he probably could have done more. But still, Kyler Murray is not the issue here. So, like, your first thought is, okay, well, I mean, you know, if he he was, what, 29 passing yards away from being the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for 4,000 and run for 900 in the same year? I mean, he just he had amazing stats this year, and it's only his second year. Like, that, that stat I just threw out there is not he would have been the first ever second-year quarterback to do it. No, no, he would have been the first quarterback ever to do it. So it's really hard to look at, at what he did this season, certainly statistically, 11 rushing touchdowns, throwing for 26 more. It's hard to look at that and be like, well... It's, uh, you know, I, I'll give him a C. Like, you can't do that. You, you look and you okay, it's, that's definitely an A. He ran for 819 yards, too. But there's got to be something to the fact that the team didn't make the playoffs and he's the quarterback. So, you, you know, when, you, when your team has success, you get a lot of, of accolades when you're the quarterback, probably a little bit more than you should. And when your team loses, you take more of the blame than you should. That's just the reality of, of that position. It's always been that way. And it's always going to be that way. So Cardswire gave him an A. And I'd probably give him what? You know, like maybe a solid B plus. You you want to you wanna look at it and say, okay, he's got room to improve. And I think we all agree with that, right? No, nobody, nobody looked at Kyler Murray this year and was like, that's all he can do. It's a second year. He's going to get better next year. The Cardinals record might not get better next year. You know, as much as we, as we put so much responsibility 
and give the credit to or the blame to the quarterback position. There's a lot of guys on a football team. So there's only so much the quarterback can do. I would say Kyler Murray taking a step forward next year, if he if he can do so the same way he did this year, he'll drag this team to the playoffs, even if they don't get much better around him. But I don't know if he can give him an A this year because he didn't make the playoffs. That's that's fair. I'd give him a solid B+. Plus. There's, there's not much I look at, at Kyler Murray this season and say, man, that was your second year. Why couldn't you do this? Like, no, this is your second year. That's a pretty good second year. As, as badly and as bitterly as this season ended, this is one of the best performances I can remember from a Cardinals quarterback, and it's only his second year. So plenty of reason to be excited. But yes, there's still room to improve, and I think it's pretty clear Kyler Murray is, is committed to doing that. So, you know, give him a solid B-plus for this year. I know they gave him an A. I don't think that's wrong, but I'm just saying that... Uh, to me, I want to see playoffs before I'm going to give many players an A. Although it's not, you know, the, the the flip side of that is if you gave Chandler Jones an A last year, you couldn't look and say, well, he didn't make the playoffs. Like Chandler Jones had a monster season last year. So it's it's all subjective, obviously. All right, that's going to do it for us here tonight. Thanks to Cody Fincher behind the glass. I'm Luke Lipinski. Suns Rockets next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.